Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. How cool is it living in today's global economy where one click of a button and product arrives on your doorstep the very next day? This podcast is going to dive deep into how that happens in the fascinating world of working in import and export. I've dedicated my entire career in that industry, and it is chock full of stories and how to do things so you become aware of what it takes to move products around the world. I'm your host, Lori Ann, your trade diva, and this is Shut Up and Go Trade. Okay, here we go. Episode four. Hello, hello. Welcome to Shut Up and Go Trade. Trade Diva here. The Ever Given has finally been released from Egypt. Some of you know exactly what that means. Some of you are like, who cares? Well, you all should care. And I'll tell you, this past year with supply chain and logistics and stuff, it really did put the industry on the map because people are were questioning, what the heck is going on? Why can't I get a container? Why can't I get a booking? You know, what is going on? So today's episode is about logistics and supply chain. And I have my guest today is a longtime friend, Tom Papalonia. Tom, introduce yourself. Good morning, Lori. My name is Tom Papalonia. I've been in the logistics business for, uh, God, I hate to say it, maybe 30 years. So I started with a Japanese outfit. I've lived in and worked in Australia. I lived in Hong Kong, Japan, and moved back to the States in 2004. And I'm based in uh, New York, downstate by JFK. All right. Yeah, Tom and I have been uh, friends, colleagues, customers, competitors. I want to say maybe two decades. And Most. I'm still, and I'm still, don't, you know, don't I'm give our age away. And you're 34. I, I don't get it, Tom. But... <laughs> Oh, yeah. And so currently, Tom and I are actually, I'm his client at the outfit that he's at now. And we're dealing with some really interesting freight. But, you know, it has been an interesting year. And I know, you know, Tom, being directly in the forwarding industry now, you see it firsthand. People, customers are coming at you. Why can't I get a booking? Why can't my stuff ship next week? Whether it's from China, which has been the, the driver of this mess, versus even Europe. I know I got some pricing yesterday uh, about Germany, and I was like, what? Even Germany? Is that? Yeah, it is. It's, it's crazy. So from the forwarding perspective, and even with uh, the latest news with the Evergiven finally released from Egypt, would you talk about from your side, the forwarder, and the, well, the stresses dealing with logistics? Well, you know, Lori, the market has been uh, upside down for a while now, right? So. The ocean market in particular, I mean, the entire market, the whole logistics industry has been hard hit by COVID, right? So when COVID hit a year and a half ago, they pulled a lot of the, uh, they canceled a lot of the flights. So we lost a lot of air freight capacity, mm-hmm. which moves on passenger aircraft, right? So we lost a lot of that belly capacity. 
And we saw airlines ripping out seats on passenger flights to, to load cargo, especially out of China for the PPE products. Right. The ocean freight, all, all these people now have been working from home. You're seeing a lot of home improvements. So the demand has been somewhat slow. I mean, Home Depot has been doing exceptionally well, right? But the inventory levels have dropped to their lowest level since 1997. So what we're seeing now in the market is everybody trying to restock, replenish, right? And it goes across all verticals, whether it's uh, retail, whether it's automotive, aerospace, everybody's trying to restock. They're ramping up production. And the problem is that the demand, you know, exceeds the supply of equipment, right? So it's a simple economic uh, policy of supply and demand, right? That you, you mentioned you mentioned Home Depot and as well as even small and medium-sized companies with this weird trying to ramp up, no space available, et cetera. People have had to shift how they do business. Home Depot, they just started leasing full vessels themselves to help try to get supply back on the shelves. But what one thing people are still like, well, what the heck? Where is the supply? What is going on? And that's where, let's go back right when the pandemic hit. What happened as far as the containers and what happened with the shift? Well, where were these containers going? Because a lot of people don't understand this. You know, the demand kind of fell off the cliff a little bit. And uh, the steamship lines are very smart. So they had a lot of blank sailings, right? They took vessels out of rotation. What, what did, is, does blank sailing mean for our listeners? Blank, so blank sailing is when they, they have a schedule and they cancel it. They don't send the vessel out. They hold it at port just because there's there's no demand. It costs a lot of money to operate uh, a vessel, right? So maybe a year and a half ago, two years ago, the cost was $50,000 a day for a charter. And now you're looking at a half million, mm-hmm. right? The supply is so high, but, and we're still seeing some blank sailings. We're still seeing the steamship lines artificially manipulate the supply in the market, right? But I mean, that being said, there are bottlenecks right at the port. So if you look at Oakland, I just heard today that I think Maersk and a couple of other steamship lines are pulling uh, a weekly service to Oakland and they're going to do every two weeks, bi-weekly, right? So that's just because why send the ship to the port, the destination port, and have it sit outside the port for two weeks waiting to get in to get unloaded, right? So And guess who pays for that? Right. Well, I mean... If you can't get the containers back, you can't get the containers off, right? Now there's a shortage at the origin side. So what we saw earlier, and, and even still on the U.S. trade lane, that they were sending all the containers back empty. 70 to 80% of the vessels that were returning to China were just empty containers. They wouldn't take any freight because then it would be a delay back in China to get these containers offloaded to the consignee, delivered and brought back to the port. And they needed to turn them around real quick. Mm-hmm. So that will impacted, you know, some major U.S. exporters, especially the farmers, you know, that will look to get product out of the country, right? So now we're seeing that kind of slow down a little bit, you know, the export side's tight, but uh, it's doable. But the real problem right now, Lori, is the IPI, right? The intermodal, uh, inland port intermodal portion, right? Because the rail system is so junked up right now that uh, even if the containers off the vessel, it still takes two, three, four weeks to get it to the final inland destination on rail. Uh, and a lot of the steamship lines won't even quote IPI service. They'll only quote to the port right now. Mm-hmm. So it's a mess. And I, I don't see now, it. Getting- before the pandemic, you mentioned with the with the trucking side, the inland, moving it inland. Uh, before the pandemic, 
up here in the Northeast New York area, we always had the chassis issue. It was chassis shortage. And that got compounded now with port congestion. There's just no availability. Another item, back when the pandemic hit, the U.S. shut down. Well, a lot of those containers got shifted to the South American market because they were still open. They were still doing trade. So a lot of those containers got shifted down, going down to South America. And then it was, oh, we got to get those back. But nothing was going back. And like you said, and okay, well, I guess we got to do, you know, empty containers going back. And they're trying to get these containers back. And China's trying to even build more containers, you know, manufacturing right. more. Yeah, so that that's something that, you know, the general consumer, and I, you know, I've got friends who still have no idea what I do when it comes to logistics <laughs> or whatever. And they ask me, well, you know, how does this one black ship cause this, you know, major thing? So, well, you've got all these other ships backed up behind you. They can't just put it in reverse and out it goes. You know, I was doing updates on my Instagram and there's like over 300 ships, you know, stuck and they had no nowhere to go. Then they started shifting their routing, which went all the way around the Horn of Africa. That is a longer route. And then now they're loading somewhere else. And then Antwerp got messed up or what was coming back. And oh, and, and people don't understand that, that, yeah, that's why your shelves are empty. And that's why they're going to see price increases. And the price. You know, I mean, inflation. Yeah. You know, with the with the Home Depot situation, you know, with the leasing of the vessels, that's not going to help their the, the lumber issue. That's more their tools and such. And I have to, I've explained to people, you know, there was some other things within the supply chain for Home Depot, like uh, some of their mill, uh, mill burnt down. And so there's that, there's those issues that have nothing to do with logistics. It's just, there's just no supply. Orders are opening, trade has started back up. Everybody wants to reship, rebuild their manufacturing, get people back to work. And now we're in peak season. And I have friends, it's only July. It's like, do you see the Christmas stuff is already in the stores? What does that mean? Christmas is coming. <laughs> so now everybody's buying their Christmas stuff and they're going to be lucky if it's there for Black Friday at this point. Yeah. And yeah, the, and the, the pricing of containers, you know, I, people that have no idea about shipping, legitimately $20,000 for a container. And you see your customers, they're like, we don't care. Book it. But okay. Yeah. But, but that cost, rolls down to the consumer. Sure. Look, I mean, if, if you have a container with 100,000 units in it, right, the cost per unit, the landed cost goes up minimally. Mm-hmm. But it brings something like refrigerators, right? You can't double stack them. You can't lay them down. How many refrigerators are you getting in, in a container? 40, right. 60, 80, right? And that's that with uh, weight restrictions too. Even though a container right. has X amount of capacity, because these ships are really at almost over capacity, each container... They've actually reduced down. We've heard we've heard that uh, you know, with the construction supplies we're trying to bring in from China ourselves. That you know we typically are allowed X amount. We were told no, you can only do twenty three tons. Now we're like, well, wait a minute. But it is what it is. And then also we've we've experienced that some of these vessels are limiting how many containers per vessel they'll allow a client, which I think is actually pretty decent because you know a Walmart or any of these huge shippers would eat up the whole ship and the rest of us wouldn't be able to ship. So that's, that's been kind of, uh, that, that's nice to keep it a little, you know, even for the small guys, but it's, it is. It's, it's crazy. 
It's crazy. And I think uh, we'll start seeing it in third quarter uh, and especially in fourth quarter, right? We'll see it get it even tighter. And I think what's going to happen is, you know, people need to get their product on the shelves. We're going to see a huge surge in demand for air freight, mm-hmm. right? Three, Q4, which will drive down the air pricing, air freight pricing higher. I mean, even right now, as we speak, the air freight rates are at all time highs. I mean, lower than when COVID first hit. But you're looking at anywhere, you know, depending on the Asian origin into the U.S., you're looking at between seven and twelve dollars U.S. a kilo. Yeah, yeah. Now, it's going to get worse, and uh, you know, I feel sorry for the smaller importers, right, that can't get the product to sell the product, and then even when they get it, you know, to pass along such a huge price increase. You know, I'm laughing because people are paying, you know, four or five times what they used to a year and a half ago, and the service is probably four or five times worst is right right the right at that and that's yeah that's the funny not funny but what the it was like 42 percent i think now with the ocean yeah on time it's on time yeah that's what i mean geez even baseball is better (laughs) well so i'm going to age myself a little bit but this reminds me uh with with service and people are now trying to shop different forwarders where can i book something of when ups first went on strike back in the what was it the 90s and then everybody had all their eggs in that basket of using ups they went on strike then it was like oh i gotta go find myself a new carrier well guess what oh you weren't a customer of ours before and now you want to do business here well, you're gonna have to pay a little bit and the current customers well rightfully so get priority and People have to understand that you just you shouldn't just have all your eggs in one basket as far as uh, carriers and forwarders. Have little backup plans. Diversify your service providers. You mitigate some of the risk, right? So, I mean, and that's just good business sense. And a lot of a lot of uh, our customers have been doing that. The problem is that my allotment has been cut almost in half, even existing accounts, right? So we signed contracts with steamship lines. And they were substantial contracts and they came back and they said, okay, you can have uh, half of the volume that you originally signed for the named account rates. And the other is FAK at market price. Right. Freight so, all kinds people. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's, it's crazy. You know, it's, yeah. it's absolutely insane. Well, you know, you, you said contracts with the with the carriers. Rumor has it, and it's already kind of started is the ocean carriers are not going to do contracts anymore. Because these something could happen at any time, and they're like, "We got to do spot rate." Oh. Some of the larger guys will probably still be able to utilize contracts, but they're going away. It's going to be all spot rate. The immediate future, I think, in the next twelve months. You know, look, we have uh, another nine months before it becomes contract season again. Yeah. And uh, let's see. You know, I think this is going to last well into uh, next year, twenty twenty two, maybe first quarter, second quarter of twenty twenty two. I think we'll see some pricing come down once the demand slows, right? Once people get the sticker shock of, you know, how much it costs for a new refrigerator or a washing machine and dryer, right? It's going to, the demand is slowly going to slow down, I would imagine, a little bit. Inventory levels would have been replenished, right? So I think we'll see pricing come down, but we're not going to see pricing come down to the levels that they were two years ago, right? We might see the pricing come down maybe 50% from what they are today. But, you know, the days of paying, you know, $1,400, $1,500 for a 40-foot container from China to the West Coast, right. they, those days are long gone. Right. If, if you look at it this way, 
I think the steamship lines, all of them, are slated to make crazy money this year, over $100 billion. And it, they're going to make more in one year to cover all the losses for the past 20 years. Right. Right. So they don't want to go back to the way it was. Right. And I won't tell you the steamship line that did this, but you know, July 1st, we had a GRI, general rate increase, right? What they did was they held the vessel, I think was supposed to sail like June 29th or June 30th or something. They held the vessel until July 1st, $100 GRI. So it's, it's insane. I think long-term for the importers, it's just not sustainable, right? It can't continue like this. So I'm hoping that once the inventory levels kind of plateau, the demand decreases a little bit, I, I think we'll be in a little bit better position, but I don't see that coming for the next nine to 12 months. Let's talk about now, what got you interested in it? Like, how did you become in logistics? Oh, it's a long story, but uh, I mean, how does anybody come into logistics, right? I was, I was fresh out of college. I did some engineering work in uh, Japan. And I wanted to work for... You're an uh, engineer? I didn't know you were an engineer. No, no, no. I'm not an engineer. I was doing engineering work for a Japanese manufacturing company in Japan. I was going to say, you don't have an engineer, you know, personality. Uh, I'm always flying at 30,000 feet. (laughs) Details, I got lost. But uh, so I was doing that. But I moved back to the States, I think it was in 93. And I wanted to work for a Japanese outfit because I learned how to speak Japanese. And I wanted to keep up my Japanese... And I just went cold calling by JFK airports, some Japanese companies, so, you know, and they looked at me and they said, can you sell? And I said, sure, I can sell. And, and that's how I got in. NNR hired me, I think in 92 or 93, NNR Global Logistics. And I, I did 25 years with them. Then I went over to uh, JetSpeed for a while. And, and I've been at Toll now almost two years, Toll Global Forwarding, which is a great company, great global footprint. But one of the reasons why I came here you know, oddly enough, was they had a big product as far as ocean freight, right? They are known for their ocean freight product, Toll. And, you know, I was I was always, you know, NNR is a great company, but their ocean freight product was maybe 20% of their revenue. 80% was air freight, so Toll was the opposite. And I wanted to throw in my product line, right, that I could offer my clients. Mm-hmm. So I came in here all happy and excited. I'm going to sell ocean freight, ocean freight. You know, I finally tap into this market. And then three months later, boom, COVID, you know, four right. months later. And now, you know, it's funny. All the customers that I've been calling on for the past two years are calling me up daily, you know, or weekly. Hey, can you help me? Can you help me? You know, people that told me they go pound sand a year ago, mm-hmm. you know, because $50 a container too high are calling me up. And I want to help them. I really do. But I just, I can't. I just, there's no capacity in the market, you know. And even one high now is uh, it's COD at port of departure. One high is not giving any credit to any NBOs. Right. And they don't have to because of the demand. They're like, no, you want to be on this ship? You're paying for it right now. Okay. I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, we're tightening here at Toll. We're tightening our credit control as well. You know, to give a client credit, you know, for 30 days when the container rate was fourteen dollars or $1,500 a container Mm -hmm. and not at fifteen dollars to $22,000, $23,000 a container, I just can't float that kind of money, right? So yeah, I know out of out of China, the shipments that we're doing, yeah, everything's been prepaid from that side. Yeah, it is what it is. So. That's why you know, I laugh at people. Oh, I can get an early selling. You have it? Stay. I, I dealt with a Fortune 500 company maybe a month ago, and they were talking about doing an ocean bid. 
And, oh, uh, yes. Yeah, I like that. I won't say okay. the company name. Good luck uh, they, with like, that. Are participate? I was like, no, I'm not going to participate. Why? Because there's no capacity. Don't leave your existing provider. And that's what I'm telling customers. Don't right. leave. You know, if you want to benchmark, that's fine. But the price is high. And, you know, some of these customers go, I got a rate for, you know, 20% less. I'm, I'm like, fine, use them. Take it. I know. I know. I do that to you all the time. But yeah, Listen, yeah. I'm always honest with you. I'm honest with everybody. Oh, I know. I know. And, and you, well, you know that debacle we're dealing with right now. And I told you, I know it's not you. You just got to take the brunt of it, but we'll figure it out. Yes. Great is fun, Lori. Great is so fun. Come on. You, you see me on <laughs> my post on Instagram, Great is fun. The, the weird cargo thing. So, and, but it, it, I started this, people know my, my history as far as how I got involved in logistics. And being a woman in it was even even more fun because, you know, yeah. there's five foot three me going on to the at the port and dealing with the union labor and, you know, <laughs> it's just a different animal, but I love it. And the challenge. Well, I guarantee you that they treat you better at the port than they would me. Well, <laughs> you know, you're just a nicer person, Lori. That's oh, why. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, okay. So, well, that's the current state of logistics. What we see as far as going forward. Freight is definitely fun. I've enjoyed working in it. I'm certainly not ready to give it up anytime soon. But people don't understand whether it's sales, whether it's the accounting, logistics is a part of it. And they all have to understand. You can't just go, well, why can't you? Why can't you? And communicating what is going on to clients. I know I do to let them know. So I put information out. You do. You give me updates as far as, you know, the service. You do that for all your clients. It's important to know because, you know, I've had people call me, like you said, they call you up saying, hey, can you help? Can you help? You know, and then they tell me what their problem is. Well, not really. That's what everybody's going through. It's not you as a company that they're saying no to. It's there's just no ability or availability. There's no sailings. That's the other. You mentioned vessels sitting out in the ports, the congestion. Then, okay, so they unload the containers. There's congestion at the port, moving it out. It's it's just this whole ripple effect, and, you know. It's a trickle-down thing, right? It starts at the origin, it comes across the water or the air, and then we have the same problem at destination. Now, even with the truckers, right? I mean, we're booking trucking to get stuff off the pier seven days in advance, but the problem is I don't know when it's going to be available. Right. right? Well, you know, and, you know, a nice thing that has, you know, come out about this is free time has actually been increased because the industry has realized this is not a shipper's fault. It is not a labor, but it's just, it's just the nature of the beast. And so they've extended, which has been very nice for the shippers and such to have that extra free time. And what does that mean for people who are listening is when, when you offload vessels, if your freight is sitting there more than the allowed free time, you get extra charges, storage and all this. And it just adds up. It could be thousands of dollars a day if you're not careful. So typically it's three days. Now it's been bumped to seven, five to seven. Which I still think, Lori, that there's going to be a class action lawsuit at some point, maybe later this year or early next year regarding the uh, the terminals, right? And the demurrage charges that people pay because the steamship line goes, that's not us, that's the terminal. Right. Yeah. Oh, you know, I'll be curious. The FMC has been very quiet. You know, this past year. So I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. So you, you you bring them up, and yes, I've seen that they're they're putting together some task force. The government's getting involved. They're putting the task force together 
it should be all set by oh, the end of the year. And I'm like, uh, people, you got to work a little faster. That's, you know, five months out. You can't get some people together and start working on this. Like, what? I guess they're all on summer ridiculous. vacation or something. Hmm. <laughs> they're working from home. Uh, well, geez, yeah, don't we all? You know, and it's funny you bring that up because like in, in our careers, jobs, what we do, we're never really on vacation, you know? We do, it's literally 24-7. People have seen me on uh, WeChat with China at midnight. You know, it is what it is. You, you got to get stuff done. And, you know, when you're talking days or, you know, different time zones, you got to be on top of it. Or you could miss a day and a day right now means a week. Yeah. Time is money. Time is definitely so. money. The industry is not for everybody. You do have to have. Both the appetite for products. alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this I am not drinking alcohol right now. It's 10 30 in the morning. Yeah, I'm having coffee. Yeah. After yeah. five o'clock, that's a different story. Yeah. 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 I love working in the industry. I love doing this. I love the freight side, explaining it things, all the acronyms and the terminology. Oh, it's just it does it always can learning be. something, right? There's always a new challenge, which is, is really nice, right? I mean, there's always something in 30 years of me in this industry. You never really had more than like two years where it was, you know, right. flying and, and, you know, we have acts of war. We have acts of God, uh, you know, volcanoes, strikes. You know, there's so many different things that are this involved. This weird pandemic came out yeah. of nowhere. It's like, what? That really shut down a global economy. It's never a dull moment, as I like to say, which is why I love this, too, because you never know what's going to happen. You always got to shift. You got to you know, change things. I, just from the traditional freight side, then I went into the modular cargo side and project cargo. And, you know, you handle things like that. That's just like, oh yeah, that's freight, you know, and you handle this huge out of gauge, as they say, and all yep. that. Oh, love that. That is challenging. Learn a lot. Project yeah. work is nice, you know? Yeah. That's really where you put your expertise to use, mm-hmm. right? project side, you know, well, you know, people have a hard time understanding what we do, you know, and it's hard to explain to them what yeah, we do. It's not just booking freight. There's pieces yeah. involved and depending on what you're doing, like the project side, you need cranes, you need special haulage, you know, whatever, blocking, brace, whatever it is, the lashing, getting the port side, what do you need to make sure your cargo secure? It just doesn't happen. You have to know that and direct them. They're not going to just automatically do it. So the regulations, customs regulations, regulations, yep. You know, local country regulations. You know, we we need to know that you can't ship chocolate to the Middle East in the, in the summer without having it uh, iced. You know, or right. It's nice because it's always different. And look, I mean, you've spanned a lot of different verticals during your career as well, right? So. You know, we can go from garments to automotive to aerospace to medical to perishable, right? So I find that. And I've done all every industry you just said. I've been involved yeah. in that, and they're all different. Yes, all different. And that's what makes it exciting, right? Because we're always learning as we go. We're not doing the same mundane job over and over, and uh, we get to experience a lot of different industries, and a lot of them are very interesting. And what a lot of uh, customers don't understand is sometimes we have to sit back and think and go, huh. And it's seamless to them. You get it done. But there have been times you pull out your hair, you're getting gray hairs. 
you got to call in the resources that you've accumulated over the 30 years of doing this or myself calling in individuals and asking, you know, we still, I still attend webinars or seminars on doing things because you got to continuously learn. The technology is different. Oh, you know, you know, when you and I started, everything was paper and we didn't even have email or what have you. You're dating me. You're dating me. Don't say telex machine. Uh, yeah. I, I'm right there with you. I, talk, I, talk, I think fax was like the biggest thing we had when I started. You had to literally take your customs documents over to the office and have them stamp yeah. it and all that. Oh, geez. That, well, I mean, at least you got out of the office for a half an hour. So. Remember typing the airway bills with the carbon paper? You know, if you Not made the a car- Yep, the carbon paper on a typewriter. Oh, and yes. for you millennials, a typewriter is, you know, that's... Kind of like a rotary phone. <laughs> Gone the way of the dodo bird. Right? Oh, and see, and so now that things are all this digital electronic, it's like customs entries now literally are, you know, push of a button. It's awesome. Yeah. I mean, they've, they've driven, I mean, technology itself has driven a lot of uh, productivity enhancements for the supply chain and the logistics industry itself. And I think there's more to come. You know, like we're already looking at uh, paperless uh, airway bills now and stuff like that. And I, I think it's going to speed up the actual process. The problem is that there's still some bottlenecks, right, on the actual movement of the freight. There's some constraints, right, because we still have to use people to load the vessels, unload the planes and whatnot. We still rely on truck drivers. I mean, if we look at the pandemic, you know, everybody before, you know, the TV uh, personalities and the sports heroes. But really, I mean, if you look at the truckers and the farmers, they, they kept the economy running. You know, the truckers right now, I mean, they're, they're happy as hell. You know, the, the trucking shortage, you know, and, you know, people yeah. think, you know, trucking is, it's not glamorous, but you can make a shit ton of money in it. Yeah. They need truckers. It's, you know, go get your, your CDL and you could be doing line hauls making a hundred grand a year or so, maybe more. I mean, we can't even get trucks now. It's so crazy. Yeah. Specialized flatbeds and whatnot. I mean, I know low- about that right now. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and they're picking the jobs they want. Like, you know, no. I don't want, I don't want that. And, and it's just, it's crazy. I had a woman the other day called me up and she wanted to move some stuff from uh, California and Arizona back to New York. And I uh, couldn't find anybody. I said, you got to get a designated truck. Yeah. I said, but, you know, she's like, it's expensive. And I said, well, you know, she goes, they used to handle it. And I said, nobody wants it now because mm-hmm. they have to handle this stuff. You know, and so, you, um, you're speaking of technology and how, you know, changes are coming. The Uber Freight is now out. Mm-hmm. And truckers can put in, it's, it's just like, like an Uber driver. And the, the yeah. project goes into the system, who wants it and what city. And if you're there, then you can say, yep, I got it, which, well, that's kind of neat. You pick and choose, like you said, what, what project you want to do. And well, that's kind of cool. The problem is you have a commitment for them to pick up a load and the guy calls you six hours before he's supposed to be there. And he says, oh, nope, can't do it because he got to load the same town going somewhere else for more money. Look, it's, it's a capitalistic uh, society still. So we have to deal with it. Yeah, it's, it's a great industry. I love it. And. And we, we've had some fun along the ways, you know, we, we've oh, been in some trade organizations and golf outings and all these things. And it is, it is a community too. It's like once you're in it and, you know, people do change companies they're with and this and that, but y'all still know each other. We all, you know, we can always call each other up and say, Hey, you know, can you help me with something? And 
So it is, it is neat. It's a neat industry of, uh, you know, knowing people in it and having a good time too. I know uh, maybe too much at some of those Three events, but hey. I'm, I'm hoping you have no photographs of me, actually. I'm like, oh boy. Oh, you're not kidding. Back before the year, what, 2000? Thank God, cell phones. We only had pagers <laughs> back then. <laughs> I remember those things. Oh, my God. oh, yeah. I was at Bax Global and I had a weekends. I had a pager on. I'm only in outside sales. I'm like, what am I going to do on a Saturday night? Right? Like, what was that about? <laughs> Your office would call you. You're on the road. You have to f- stop and find a payphone to call in. Find the payphone. We didn't have cell phones then. It wasn't until, geez, I want to say 1999, maybe, or 98. And the Nextel phone was like the biggest thing. It was like the walkie-talkie thing yes. that they could immediately get a hold of. Again, what am I going to do on a Saturday night or a Sunday afternoon for this? Calm you said it earlier. We work 24-7. Yeah. We're always you know especially now i mean i work saturdays i work sundays i stay up till one o'clock in the morning sometimes the next day i'm up at six you know because of the different time zones yeah and you know you miss an hour sometimes like you said or a day it costs you a week it costs you two weeks and the price goes up or whatever and you know you want to provide that service to your clients so you have to be available you have to be and, and, you know, that that time thing, that's hit a few times and stuff I'm trying to help people with. They take six hours to get back to me. I'm like, that slot was taken. Sorry. That's how it's running right now. You have to be able to make a decision quick or you're going to lose it. And, well, I can get you on the next sailing, uh, you know, two weeks or not. Yep. Nothing I can do. All right. I think we're going to wrap it up for this week. That was a good talk about logistics with people, getting an understanding of what's going on, you know, oh, that ever given, by the way, people, you see that the uh, there is a few container loads of chips for the semiconductor industry in there. They're going to be free now. They're going out. They're going to be on the market. So <laughs> even though components are at 52 weeks, maybe they'll go down to 43 now. <laughs> so, Probably not. Yeah, but there were a lot of losses on that ship too, because there were some perishables and other freight that is just not salvageable or people canceled the orders. So there is going to be a ripple effect of that poor thing. But but people learned a lot, which is cool. And put logistics on the map. It's a great industry to be in. If some of you that are, are young and looking at a career path, it's there's various levels you can get into. So yeah, you've enjoyed it and you make some good friends along the way. All around the world, too, because your clients become your friends, too, which is, cool, right. which is really cool. So so we're going to wrap it up for this week's uh, Shut Up and Go Trade episode. Tom, I thank you for talking about this. We're going to have you on. We're gonna, I'm going to have an Inco Terms episode, and Frank oh. Reynolds, is, he's already agreed to be on it. Oh. So you know Inco Terms, you know who Frank is. Yes, I okay? do. So I'm excited about that. That really made my day. He remembers me from IBC. So I'll have you on when he's on and we can talk. Terrific. And how it relates to, well, if you have the wrong ankle term, it gets you in trouble with logistics too. So, Yes. Melissa Lori, thanks for having me on. I really do appreciate it. You're one of the uh, one of my go-to people that I've been relying on for the past nearly 20 years. So uh, thanks for all you. And vice versa. Hey, yeah, when you come back up, uh, Canada, we gotta go golfing and hang out at the boat. Yes, let's go. Right. I'm ready. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. Your trade event is out now. Let's all shut up and go trade. 
All right. Thank you so much for tuning in. That's all the time that we have for this week's episode. You want to dive deeper into this topic, see some behind the scenes, and also know all of our various other social media platforms, please go to the YouTube channel, Shut Up and Go Trade. Remember to subscribe, put your comments, questions, anything you want to throw at us. And who knows, maybe we'll even ask you to be on the show sometime. Until then, everybody take care and shut up and go trade.